0: Father, we thank you, Lord, for giving us just the the precious, pure time of, of worship, and Lord, just to gather together and to draw closer to you. And I thank you, Lord, for those who are here this morning, Lord. It's so good to see their, their smiling faces, Lord, and we thank you that we can come once again to gather and to glorify you, Lord. Speak to our hearts as we open up your word, your love letter to us, and Lord, I pray that we would, Lord... Be mindful of what you have to say to us this morning through the book of Proverbs, Lord. Lord, I decrease that you would increase. I am to myself of myself, so fill me with yourself, that everything that I say unto you, every thought that enters my mind, will be of you and not of me. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's will said, amen. If you have your Bible or Bible app, turn to Proverbs chapter 16. We're now in chapter 16. We're going to cover the whole chapter. We're now in part 17 of our series, Wisdom, That Say that. And before we even dive into the text, I want to do a quick review from last week's text, all of chapter 15, and uh, I gave you five points from that chapter, and you might remember the points. The first one was use words wisely. Say that. Use words wisely, and that was in verses 1 through 7. And Solomon, what he does, he begins by giving instructions concerning confrontation. That the way we respond to others often determines the way they respond to us. The second point was remember what God loves. Say that. Remember what God loves. And that's in verses 8 through 9 of chapter 15. And, And God loves honest worship. God loves honest worship. He loves it when you and I, when we live right. Someone say amen to that. The third point was consider the consequences. Say that. Consider the consequences. That's in verses 10 through 19. And basically, Solomon's saying abandoning the right path brings serious consequences. Point number four of last week's text was use good sense. Say that. Use good sense. And that's in verses 20 through 29. And there Solomon says God is far from the wicked, but he's close to the righteous. Close to the righteous. And the fifth point was look and listen. Say that. And that's in verses 30 through 33. And Solomon says a cheerful look brings joy to the heart. And the one who learns from Words of correction will become wiser. And he also says in that humble, faithful submission results in honor from God. Isn't that cool? Honor from God. This now brings us to today's text. The title of my message is God's Providential Care. Everyone say that. Providential Care. God's providence. Say God's providence. God's providence is a governance of God by which he with wisdom and love cares for and directs all things for his purposes. In other words, it speaks simply of his complete control and purpose. That's providence. Sovereignty speaks of his position and power. You guys with me? Six points from today's text, if you're ready, say yes. Number one is this, a purposeful, excuse me, a purpose for everything. A purpose for everything. That's point number one, a purpose for everything. We'll look at verse 1. Solomon writes, to man belong the plans of the heart, but from the Lord, say from the Lord, comes the reply, in other words, the proper answer of the tongue. Now, this, that doesn't mean that it's unwise for us to plan at all. We should plan. Are you guys with me? It's okay to plan. It simply means that proper planning includes acknowledging God's will, say God's will, and our limitations. So real quick lesson, here we go. Okay, lesson, God has the last word. And we got to remind ourselves of that as we go about our days making our plans, that we got to remind ourselves that God has the last word. Got it? Acknowledging His will for our lives and acknowledging our limitations. Coming to the conclusion that God has the last word in my life, in my decisions. Someone say amen. Verse 2, all a man's ways seem innocent to him. I want to stop there as humans We have this innate capacity to justify ourselves and see our own ways as innocent and pure. Don't we? Don't we? Listen, our prisons are filled with people who have committed heinous, violent crimes who thought themselves as innocent and pure in their own eyes. Then he says this, but motives, say motives, are weighed by who? The Lord. By who? Come on. The Lord, he's the one, God is the one who accurately weighs and evaluates the motives of our hearts. And he does this, listen now, he does this by his Holy Spirit and also through his word. I want you to write this down. Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 9 and 10. You might be familiar with this passage. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things. That's speaking of our hearts, friends. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart. Who? Who searches the heart? The Lord, God himself, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. You guys get that? So our hearts are, are wicked and, 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 and deceitful, but God is the one who really understands and knows the heart, and he weighs and measures the motives of our hearts. Verse 3, commit to the Lord whatever you do. I love this verse. Say, commit to the Lord whatever you do. Say, whatever I do, and your plans will what? Say it. Succeed. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. Now, literally, the term for commit is the word roll, R-O-L-L, roll, roll. We are, In other words, we are to roll to God what we do, roll it on to him. It's similar to the expression, put in the hands of God. And we are to commit to God what we do, placing in his hands, say, in his hands, the outcome of our actions, trusting him to preserve us and to cause good to come forth and that he would be glorified. It's to leave to God the results, trusting, say trusting, in his sovereign will and providential care. The bottom line is this, to commit Whatever we do to God is to keep in mind that our lives and our ways belong to Him in order to serve for His purpose and His glory. Got it? His purpose and His glory. So here's a lesson. You Ready? Here we go. Give it to God. Someone say that. Say it nice and loud. Say, give it to God. We should depend on God in our works, and we should do those works as unto Him. Whatever I do, I commit to God. I give it to God. And you see, as we commit the things we do to him, get this now, then he will be at work in our thoughts, at work in our plans, at work in our purposes, right, and purposes to help us do the things that are stable, that are secure, and things that are going in the right direction. I don't know about you, but I want my life and whatever I do to go in the right direction. Right? That happens when you and I commit, commit to the Lord whatever, whatever it is, whatever we do. Someone say amen. Verses four through seven, the Lord works out everything for his own ends. Why? Because he's God. He's God. That's why he's God. He has a right to claim all things for himself. All things, say all things, all things are created to serve his own purposes and glory. The Lord works out everything for his own ends. That, that should be encouraging to us that are his children, right? Even the wicked for a day of disaster. So God's plan and providence includes the destiny of the wicked. Got it? Verse five, the Lord detests all the proud of heart Be sure of this. They will not go unpunished. Now, I want to say this. The phrase, proud, the proud of heart, say the proud of heart, is a synonym for the wicked. The wicked. And he regards them, God regards them as an abomination. The point is this, that God will punish the wicked. He's going to punish the wicked. I know it seems like they're getting over. Huh. Right? Right? Doesn't it seem like the wicked is getting over? But God will punish the wicked. It may be immediately or will culminate in the day of judgment with exact measure as fitting to the crimes at the right time that he has planned. But notice, I want you to notice, you don't have to be part of that judgment. Okay, let's read the next verse, verse six. Through love and faithfulness, the King James says, by mercy and truth, sin, say sin, is atoned for. Say amen to that. God's mercy prompted the great sacrifice of Jesus Christ, his son on the cross, and his truth made it necessary to make atonement in a way that honored the righteousness of God. You guys with You don't have to be part of that judgment. You can come to Christ. Amen. He atoned for your sin. Amen. Then he says, through the fear of the Lord, a man avoids. Evil, say, through the fear of the Lord. There's that phrase again, right? That reoccurring theme phrase, the fear of the Lord. Through the fear of the Lord, a man, a woman avoids evil. The fear of God, and we know this, right, is, is, is not only the beginning of wisdom, but it is also the foundation, say, foundation of a God-honoring life. Say, God-honoring life. To live in fear of God is to depart from evil. That's what it is. To live a God-honoring life is to depart from evil. If you're saved, say amen. The best way, listen now, Christians, the best way to avoid evil consequences is to avoid evil actions by following God's word. It's that saying, sin will keep you from God's word, but God's word will keep you from sin. You guys with me? Through the fear of the Lord, a man, a woman, avoids evil. I love that. Verse 7, when a man or woman's ways are pleasing to the Lord, love that, say pleasing to the Lord, he or she makes even their enemies live at peace with them. Now, this is a general rule uh, and, and not an absolute one. This doesn't mean that there will be no trouble with enemies if you're a believer, okay? But in some cases, upright living as we live for the Lord in an upright way can even win over one's enemies. You see, by pleasing God, say pleasing God, our lives will be more attractive to others, even to our enemies. Got it? Now, here's the lesson. You ready for the lesson? I love this lesson. Please, God. That's it. Say please, God. That's a great lesson, isn't it? I mean, please, God. Let's go back to the text. Go back to the text. When a man or woman's ways are pleasing to the who? The Lord. Got it? Question, I'm going to stop the question, are we just getting by in our relationship with God, or are we trying to really please Him? Think about it, Christians. I'm going to say it again. Are we just getting by in our relationship with God, or are we trying to really please Him? Are we just trying to get by with doing the things that we absolutely have to, just doing the bare minimum, just going through the motions, or are we looking for those things that are, that are direct reflections of God's heart, the things that please him? And I would pray that, that, that my life, that your life, that our lives, that as we live our lives daily, that our focus is I want to I please God in all that I do. I don't want to just go through the motions. I don't want to be a casual believer. I want to be one who pleases God. When a man, woman's ways are pleasing to the Lord. And hopefully we will be Attractive to those around us, even our own enemies, and pleasing to God. Amen. Verses eight and nine, better a little with righteousness than much gain with injustice. In other words, we may, you know, and I want to say this: we, we may never get the recognition we deserve or or the financial success or the career we desire. Perhaps others less deserving cheated and got ahead of us, but better. A little with righteousness than much gain with injustice. And the point is this to live an honest, righteous life brings satisfaction with what we possess. Amen? Verse 9 In his heart, a man, a woman plans his or her course, but the Lord determines his or her steps. Again, it's not wrong to make plans, we should make plans. Got it. Plans are a good thing, but what ultimately happens is up to God. And as we submit our plans to His authority, we need to be very, no. As we submit our plans to His authority, we need to be very careful to make sure that our plans include the things that we know are good and things that are in His will. If you're saved, say Amen. Listen, we should never think that our ability to make plans makes us Lord over our lives. It's God, say it's God, who determines. It's God, say it's God, who directs our steps. I want you to get this now, okay? Only plans that are inspired by God, led by God, inspired by God, led by God, will be blessed and endure. Amen? If you want your plans to be blessed, you want your life, your plans to endure, hey, guess what? Make sure your plans are inspired by God. Amen? Say, purpose for everything. Come on. Number two is kingly advice. Kingly advice. And this is verses 10 through 15. And and, and Solomon was a king, right? We know this. Solomon was a king. Now, now in these verses, what he does is he, he, he explains how Kings and other rulers behave or should behave. Verse 10, the lips of a king speak as an oracle and his mouth should not betray justice. Listen, a king was considered one of God's representatives on earth. Got it? So when, when he, the king, spoke, he was morally obligated to speak truthfully. Did you get that? And when he offered judgment and he, when he offered a ruling or a decree or some other decision, he was expected to do so. Get this now. The king was expected to do so with integrity and righteousness, not sin. Got it? Verse 11, honest scales and balances are from who? The Lord. All the weights are in the bag are of his making. God uses righteous and just balances when he judges, and so should we. Listen, honest, say honest. Honest attitudes, honest hearts are important to God, guys, gals. Are you guys with me? He expects fairness, and God expects honesty on our part. He expects fairness and honesty in business transactions. We, of all people, Christians must not cheat people. Even the king must not cheat people. Verse 12, kings detest wrongdoing for a throne is established through what? I'm going to read that again. Kings detest wrongdoing for a throne is established through righteousness. If a king is evil, if a king is evil, his nation will suffer. Right? A good king, say a good king, wants his people to do good things. Because, listen now, the righteous life of a king invites God's blessings upon his life, his reign, and his nation. You guys got it? The bottom line is this. God is a righteous ruler, right? And kings should be also. Verse 13. I know we don't have kings. We have presidents now, right? We don't have kings, right? Kings take pleasure, verse 13, in honest lips. They value, say value, a man who speaks the truth. So what Solomon's saying here, he was a king. That the king needs honest advisors to speak wise words of advice. Now if the advisor is not honest, then he can't help the king. And the point is this, friends, the best government leaders will value honesty over flattery. Got it? The best government leaders, I'm going to say it again, will value honesty, say honesty, over flattery. If you agree with that, say amen. Verse 14, a king's wrath is a messenger of death, but a wise man will appease it. So here Solomon notes a principle echoed in an English proverb, don't poke the bear. Say that. And this points out the the, the foolishness of unnecessarily provoking a powerful enemy. Follow me. A king's anger might not be reasonable nor fair, but a wise person... A wise person, listen now, a wise person recognizes the benefit of avoiding it. Got it? If you're safe, say amen. Wisdom, say wisdom. Wisdom can help us have the right reaction even in the difficult moments when a king or a person of authority is angry and shows her wrath. Verse 15. When a king's face brightens, it means life. Did you get that? His favor is like, what, a rain cloud in spring. Listen, king, the king's favor can cause one's life to flourish like crops in spring. It is a blessing. It is a blessing to have a righteous ruler, isn't it? And speaking about kings and we have presidents and government officials, speaking of of government officials, When it comes to them, we must pray for them. 1 Timothy 2, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. We may not agree with them, and that's okay. I don't got to agree with them, and trust me, I don't agree with a lot of things when it comes to government. But I must pray for them. Okay? And that's one thing we got to agree upon as Christians is praying for our government officials and leaders that God would touch their hearts. God can touch anyone's heart. Amen? Because it's a blessing. Pray. We need to pray for righteous government officials. Amen? A purpose for everything, say that. Number two, kingly advice, say that. Number three, better than gold. Say that. Better than gold. I'm trying to be creative with these points, okay? (laughs) Better than gold. It's, It's not easy to break these down in points. Better than gold. Look at verses 16 through 17. Solomon says, how much better to get wisdom than gold. I love that. To choose understanding rather than silver. Get that? And the point of the proverb is not that gold and silver are bad. They're not bad, okay? But that wisdom and understanding are better. As great as the blessing Wealth can bring into our lives, and it can't bring a blessing. Wisdom brings greater blessing. Wisdom, say wisdom, has more ultimate value than material wealth. And I want you to notice, I want you to notice, okay, the value of wisdom. Look at the next verse, verse 17. The highway of the upright, the righteous, the wise, avoids evil. And he or she who guards his or her own, way guards his life. So I'm going to read again. The highway of the upright avoids evil. He or she who guards his or her way guards his or her what? Life. And what this proverb here, this proverb takes us back to wisdom. It's not wealth. It's not strength, friends, that preserves us. It's possessing the wisdom to know our limits to move away from evil. Do you get that? Not towards it, but away from it. It's developing a life that habitually avoids evil. It it safeguards us from a life of sinful living and its results. Got it? That's what wisdom does. Wisdom keeps us from making stupid decisions and keeps us from going the way of evil. Amen? Number four, pride and prosperity. Write that down, pride and prosperity. Point number four, pride and prosperity. I'm enjoying this so far. I hope you are. Pride and prosperity. And Solomon's simply saying it's, it's better to be humble and poor than proud and rich. <laughs> right? Verses 18 through 20, follow me now. Pride, verse 18, pride goes before destruction. We know this, right? A haughty spirit before a what? Say it, a fall. Pride is a hindrance, friends. Pride is a hindrance. It's baggage that hampers our travels through life. And what it does, what pride does, pride dilutes our joy. It hinders our achievements. And what it does, it makes us lose perspective on the things that really, really matter in life. It destroys relationships. Listen, those who think themselves higher than others are ready to fall under the fair judgment of God. Verse 19, better to be lowly in spirit and among the oppressed than to share plunder with the proud. You know what he's saying? He's saying it's better to be oppressed than to be an oppressor. Do you get that? It's better to be oppressed than to be an oppressor. It's better to be what it's better to be without, without than to take away from others. Again. Okay, and I'll point out that the proud or arrogant in Proverbs is equated with wicked, with the wicked, okay, who in their arrogance oppress others and commit crimes. That's what Solomon's saying. Solomon's saying this, such gain, trying to oppress the oppressors, oppress the oppressed, excuse me, Solomon says such gain is not worth the price. Don't do it. Verse 20, whoever gives heed to instruction Prospers. Now, this is a reoccurring theme in Proverbs. We know that a mark of a wise and godly person is being a good learner, right? Being a good learner. They, they heed to instruction. And when he says instruction, he's speaking of, of the Word, the law, the Word of God. Right? And so they heed to instruction, the Word of God, and they obey it. And as they learn the Word, they become more and more wiser. So here's the lesson. You ready for the lesson? The most valuable word is the word of God. The most valuable word is the word of God. Now I want you to write this down. Psalm 119, chapter 119, verses 97 through verse 100. And by the way, just to let you know that the longest chapter in the Bible is this chapter, Psalm 119, and the whole chapter speaks about God's word, God's law, precepts. You guys got it? And Psalm one hundred nineteen ninety seven 97 through 100 indicates that the Word of God bestows wisdom and understanding. And that's how you and I, that's how we prosper. And by the way, the ultimate measure of prosperity is knowing God and living like you know Him. Got it? Then he says, and blessed or happy is he or she who trusts in the Lord. I love that. And blessed, say bless. Come on, say happy like you're Happy. Is he or she who trusts in the Lord? And I want to tell you, friends, the more that we read and study his word, the more we know him, and the more we know him, the more we trust him. Man, the more I know about God and who he is and his character, man, I can trust him. Right? So question, what or who are you trusting in? Christians, what or who are you trusting in? Money? Hmm? Material things? Your career, yourself, huh, the government, or God? Are we we trusting in God? Because the one who trusts in God is the happiest. That's what Solomon's saying. The one who truly trusts in God is the happiest. And things work out for the good and for his glory when we trust him. And we can be. Listen now. We can be. We 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 can happily and calmly rest in Him. Some of you just need to rest in Him. Amen. And that's what happens when we trust Him. We are happily and calmly resting in Him. Can I get? An amen. Verses twenty one through twenty two. Psalm says, "The wise in heart are called discerning." And pleasant, that word also could be gracious. Words, pleasant slash gracious words promote instruction. Again, the wise in the heart are called discerning, and pleasant gracious words promote instruction. I love the way the message renders this. A wise person gets known for insight. Gracious words add to one's reputation. I like that. I like that. Let me ask you a question, church. Do you want to be recognized for your insight and your wisdom? Yes or no? Do you want to be the person when you speak, people listen? I do. Don't you? Say yes. Then seek to understand right from wrong. Seek to understand God in his ways. Listen, friends, the more you understand, the wiser you will be, and the wiser you are, the more respect you will gain. You'll become one who is trusted Whose opinion is respected because godly wisdom, not worldly wisdom, godly wisdom guides how you speak. And we saw this in the previous chapter last Sunday, right? the Solomon says, A gentle answer turns away wrath. A tongue of the wise commends knowledge. The tongue that brings healing is a tree of life. The lips of the wise spread knowledge. To make an apt answer is a joy to a man or a woman, a word in season, how good it is. And he says, the heart of the righteous weighs its answer. The wise person gives attention to their mind and heart, therefore knowing what to say and how to say it. And also knowing when to keep silent and then zip it up. They understand how God would have them speak. And how God would have them at times just shut their mouths. Right? That's where wisdom comes in. Amen? Verse 22. Understanding is a fountain of life to those who have it, but folly brings punishment to fools. Huh. Read that again. Understanding. Understanding is a fountain of life to those who have it. But folly brings punishment to fools. If you live by wisdom, then what Solomon saying is that your opportunities in life will be greater. But very little can be done or said for a fool because they're, they refuse correction, right? And this is why you can have Two individuals attending the same class <laughs> have the same parents and, and be, be given the same opportunities but with two different results. The one with good sense, the one who has understanding, the one will learn and benefit from what he or she is taught. The foolish one won't learn and benefit what he or she has taught. The one who with good sense, the one with understanding credits others for what he or she has learned and accepts responsibility for his or her mistakes. The foolish one congratulates him or herself for their cleverness and blames others for their mistakes. You have one who has understanding and one who's a fool. Which one are we? Verses 23 to 24 now these two verses, verses 23 and 24, rephrase, they rephrase the same idea in verse 21. Verse 21 says, the wise and heart are called discerning and pleasant, gracious words promote instruction. So verses 23 and 24 rephrase the same idea. So let's read verse 23. A wise man's heart guides his mouth. Do you get that? And his lips promote instruction. Verse 24, pleasant words are a honeycomb, love this verse, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Listen, an important facet of wisdom is knowing how to speak, not merely what to say. It's not just saying something, but it's knowing how to say it, how to speak, because careful choice of words impacts how well those words are received. Now, let me tell you, isn't it it nice to receive an honest compliment? It is, isn't it, friends? And this is something that we often deny we want, but we totally, totally enjoy it when we receive it, right? Right? When was the last time you complimented somebody when you gave words, a, a word of a compliment, a word of that, that you said, you know what, you look nice today. You look nice today. Or, oh, you know, you, you did a great job the other day, and I just want to, I want to tell you you did a great job. Or how about this? You know, you blessed me. You blessed me. And those kind of words, friends, bring what, healing to the bones, right? To sweet to the soul. Honeycomb, right? How about words of encouragement? You know, with God's help, you, you can get through this, man. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. You're going you're gonna to be okay. Trust God. Huh? How about words of comfort? I mean, how good it feels to hear a sympathetic voice, right, when, when we're hurting. And when you hear someone say, hey, man, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. And I'm so sorry that, that you're going through that. But you know what? I'm here for you, and, and I'm praying for you. How about good humor? Sometimes the best thing we can hear when we're down, worried, or even angry at times is a good-humored remark. There's nothing like a little laugh to lift us up again, right? To help us see that it's not the end of the world; it's going to be all right. How about words of of thanksgiving? Thanking someone. Thank you, man. I thank you. Thanks for helping me. Thanks for your hard work. You know. Thanks for listening. And how many times, friends, have, have have our temper or depression have been wiped away by the simple remark? Of thanks. Because Solomon says gracious words are like honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and healing to the bones. And perhaps there's someone here this morning, you got to give them a word of encouragement, compliment them or a word of comfort or just tell them a nice, clean joke. I don't know. Or just thank them. Because pleasant, gracious words have tremendous power to change the course of a person's life for the good. Amen? Verses 25 to 26, there is a way that seems right to man, woman, but in the end it leads to death. And we covered this before. The end of the wrong path isn't, listen now, isn't temporary trouble or inconvenience. Its end is a way of death. And we covered that a couple of chapters ago. Verse 26, the laborer's appetite works for him, her, his or her hunger drives him or her on. Okay? In other words, our hunger, you know, Solomon's saying that our hunger, okay, reminds us that we should work, okay? Got it? Hunger is a great incentive to work. You want to eat? You're hungry? Get a job, right? Work, right? And that's what he's saying there. Verse verse 5, point number 5 is destructive speech. Say that. Destructive speech. Verses 27 through 30, a scoundrel plots evil, and his speech is like a scorching fire. The sad truth is this, that some people are always looking for some, something evil so they can share it with other people. Huh? Just da-da-da-da, just a scorching fire, right? Verse 28, a perverse man stirs up dissension. In other words, they love to start fights. How how many of us know people like that? Just like to start fights, man. And a gossip, gossip separates close friends. So what Solomon's saying, the strife that these guys, people, sow is so powerful that it can separate the best of friends. And I've seen that in relationships. I've seen where the best of friends, closest of friends, have separated because of gossip. It's sad. Verse 29. A violent, man, a violent man entices his neighbor and leads him down a path that is not good. Violent people entice and persuade others to join in their violent acts. Just like Satan, right? Just like Satan. Satan is not content to oppress, or excuse me, to oppose God and all that is right. What he does, he drafts others into his, into his evil Activity. And don't forget, he led one-third of the angels in rebellion right with him. Do you remember what Solomon said back in chapter 1, verses 10 through 15? Chapter 1, verses 10 through 15. Well, let me refresh your memory here. He says, my son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait for blood. Throw in your lot with us. My son, Solomon says, do not walk in the way with them. Stay away. When others try to get you to entice you, persuade you to do violence or anything that's not of God, don't do it. Amen? Verse 30, he who winks with his eye is plotting perversity. He who purses his lips is bent on evil. So this is likely connected to the previous verse, that the violent person may entice or persuade their neighbor as they wink their eye, treating it as a a light, clever thing to devise perverse things. That's exactly what Solomon's saying. Point number six, the peaceful life. Say that. The peaceful life. Write that down. Verses 31, 32. You're still with me? Say amen. We're going to get through this, okay? Here we go. Gray hair. <laughs> you get that? Gray hair is a crown of splendor. It is, now listen, it is attained by a what? By life. So, so gray hair is good. Gray hair is good. Are you guys with me? So maybe you sh- maybe you shouldn't color your hair. I don't know. Okay, but it's good. Ancient cultures honored and valued the wisdom and experience of old age. Got it? Now I want you to notice something: that it isn't gray hair, it isn't age itself that brings a clown, a crown, a clown, a crown of glory to a person but age in the way of righteousness. Let's read that again. Gray hair is a crown of splendor, okay? It is attained, say attained, by what? A righteous life. Got it? It's attained in a way of righteousness, in a way of one who follows God in his word. Got it? Hold on to that. We'll get to that towards the end here. Verse 32. Better a patient man than a warrior, a man who controls his temper, than one who takes a city. So let's get right into the lesson, right? It's better to be patient than powerful. Get that? It's better to be patient than powerful. Listen, listen friends, if you're saved, say Amen. Putting the lid on anger and controlling our passions and our appetites and our affections and temper is a greater advantage than being a renowned soldier. Huh? Did you get that? If you're safe, say amen. We can. Say say I can. Yeah, you can. We can. We can keep our emotions under control through the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't tell me I can't. I can't control myself. Yes, you can. If you're a Christian, you can. Yeah? Yep. Yeah, you can. Verse 33. The lot is cast in into the lap, but it's every decision, but every decision, it's every decision is from the Lord. The lot was almost always used for determining God's will. And we see that in the Old Testament. We see that also in the New Testament. And by casting lots, Joshua discovered whose sin led to the Israelites' defeat in battle. The the casting of, of lots was used for the division of the promised land among the tribes of Israel. By casting lots, it was determined that God had chosen Saul to be Israel's first king. By casting lots, the sailors, we know this, right, singled out who? Jonah. As the guilty one bringing the storm upon them, the priest Zechariah, Zechariah, John the Baptist's father, entered the holy place to offer incense because the cast lot fell on his name. And finally, after many years, he was able to enter. Now, follow me here. I believe it's like 70 times in the Old Testament, it, it speaks of cast lots, about seven times in the New Testament. Now, the last mention of casting lots is in Acts chapter 1, verses 23 through 26. Last mention of it, okay, where the 11 disciples choose another to replace Judas. Judas committed suicide. He died, right? And so there those two men, Matthias and Justice, some call him Joseph, Justice, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he became the 12th. After that, after doing that, casting lots was no longer mentioned nor used. Why? Because in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit fell upon the church, fell upon the believers, and no longer were they seeking the will of God through casting lots. But now it was by His Holy Spirit. Now the Spirit of God lives and dwells within them, and if we're saved, God's Holy Spirit lives and dwells within us. Amen? If you're saved, say amen. Amen. So this is it. The Word of God, say the Word of God, and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, say that, listen now, are sufficient to know God's will and to make decisions. In other words, we seek the answer, but God gives it because he has the final say. So let's wrap this up. Do you want to live a peaceful life? Only Linda said yes. Do you want to live a peaceful life? Then live a righteous life. Whether you have gray hair, light hair, dark hair, or no hair. Live a righteous life. Because when you're living right before God, there's peace. Because you know when you're not living right, there's no peace. You want to live a peaceful life? Then live a righteous life. You want to live a peaceful life? Okay, then keep your emotions under the control of the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you want to live a peaceful life? Then live your life knowing that God is in control of your life and that God has a final say. And I got to tell you, that brings so much peace into my life that no matter what's going around along in my life, knowing. That God is in control. And that, you know what, God, I'm trusting you because I know you have the final say. That's the peaceful life. It's all stand.